Allegretta Alive is a self-love coach, empowerment speaker, spiritual awakening guide, and adoptee advocate. In the self-love movement, there are no followers, only leaders, creators of their own joy, heroes of their own story, champions of a compassionate world. The Spirit of Self-Love podcast reminds us that we are all miraculous beings with purpose and can help humanity elevate and evolve by returning within. Do you remember who you really are? Marley Jameson is an intuitive business coach who helps entrepreneurs up-level into a soul-aligned, profitable, and joyful business. She specializes in helping people release societal conditioning, stagnant energy, limiting beliefs, and unresolved traumas that have been holding them back in life and career so that they can own their empowerment and live a truly soul-aligned, magical life. A nine-year-long chronic mystery illness catalyzed her own spiritual awakening, and she was able to heal herself through energy work, mindset shifts, healing deep personal traumas, nutrition, holistic therapies, and following her soul purpose. As a gift from Marley to you, she's offering a free grounding meditation. The link to access that is in the description of this episode. You can learn more about Marley on her website, and Instagram, which are also listed in the description. In part one of our conversation, we discussed the healing benefits of ceremonial cacao and how important it is for us to be able to release codependency on our journey. This episode jumps into more about Marley's work as an intuitive business coach and the specific practices she uses to help her clients grow their businesses and impact other aspects of their life. She describes how the ability to access inner awareness through parallel lives can help end self-limiting or self-sabotaging cycles that business owners and entrepreneurs may experience. This is part two of my conversation with Marley Jameson. Enjoy. Where I start with my coaching clients is with an Akashic Records soul profile reading where I'll be looking into who they are as a soul. And I'm not going to tell them, this is what you're meant to do in this lifetime. Like, that that's not so helpful in the long run. It's also like, I don't want that on me. <laughs> uh, I would wish for them to explore it and understand for themselves. So what I give are more like principles of who they are as a soul. This is how you best function and this is how you best flow and this is what alignment will look like and be like for you and these are common pitfalls for you. These can be applied to any of your life and career arenas. So it will grow with you, it's dynamic and you'll find yourself navigating these themes throughout your life. A lot of people think that the business and the personal life are separate and they are absolutely not. If you have boundary issues in life, they will be showing up in your business somehow. If you have self-worth issues, guess what? You're going to have self-worth issues in your business as well. So I really have a very holistic approach to my coaching. And some of, our, some of my sessions are more structured, like, okay, 
like I took a look at your social media and this is what's going great. And this is what I think you could step more into. And here are some technical aspects to look at. And here's the energetics. And what do you think about all of this? And let's co-create on this together right now. But then also, if they've had a big personal upset, we really dive into that and we see what's going on. And is there an unresolved, deeper trauma or stressor at play here? And how has this been perhaps showing up in their business? How do you access this intuitive information of people's parallel lives? Most people conceptualize it as past lives, but I appreciate that you used the term parallel lives because time and space as we know it in the third dimension, it's it's not quite accurate to how it is in other dimensions. So everything is actually happening in the same cosmic instant, but in our third dimensional uh, reality, we conceive of time as being linear, as past, present, future, when it really is more like parallel lives. So if you have, I usually frame it for my, my clients as past lifetimes because it's easier to talk about. <laughs> so if we're like, all right, you know, 18 lifetimes ago, this was what was going on for you. And how are those dynamics showing up for you in your present life? So I can do the clearing, and when we talk about what's been going on in other lifetimes, you can have the conscious awareness of what was going on and why, so you can articulate it, because putting a name to it can be really helpful. And then I'll encourage you to not get attached or overly identified with that storyline, and to change your course of action. For the people who don't know what we were just talking about, what are the Akashic Records in your understanding? Great question. The Akashic Records, it, they're like an energetic database, so to speak. Some people call them the Book of Life. Um, basically, I mean, it can also be compared to Google for souls. <laughs> I've heard it expressed in many different ways. But the Akashic Records are where the information of your soul and all of your lifetimes are stored in the etheric realms. So you, you can access that information. Um, you know, interestingly, you can also access this information through your cells and through your DNA. And people are realizing that more and more through DNA activations and through just tuning into themselves. So the Akashic Records, not necessarily outside of you, Interesting note. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your DNA holds a lot of this information. But I'll get back to your question. It's this energetic database of who you are and what you've done, the choices you've made. It's not going to condemn you or judge you. It's just a very matter of fact, this happened here and this was what this person was feeling here and this is what what's going on. And the, it has your soul blueprint in it. So like how you best function and flow in the world. Hmm. And it can show the unresolved energy funkiness, which is what most people come to an Akashic Records clearing for. Because they're like, oh, there's some, some stuckness, some stagnation or something they can't quite put their finger on, but it, they just know it's off. And they're like, please help me. Um, they're not yet fully consciously aware of what's going on in their energy. And so I can go in and see what's going on and resolve it for them. Mm -hmm. And then... 
will come up with ways that they can now uphold new energetic standards for themselves. Or sometimes it looks like having a ceremony with themselves to honor their inner child, for example, Mm. or honor a past experience that they've had, or just to go have fun, just go (laughs) have fun. This is something I (laughs) assign to many of my clients. (laughs) Please go have fun. And then the uh, the other thing I assign is like, please take an hour to feel crappy about your life for real though. Like (laughs) put down your phone and feel all the sadness that you've been numbing out. And then, you know, here's how you can come out of it, but you need to sit and and be sad for an hour. Sorry. (laughs) That's beautiful advice. It's true. It's true. We're so afraid. Like we're in this um, habit. So many of us are in this habit of feeling like low key sad without ever resolving it or Mm. low key frustrated. Mm. And then we numb out on our phone or or with relationships or whatever. And you don't fully resolve the issue. So then you just always feel miserable And a lot of the times it can feel scary to resolve the issue. So it doesn't feel safe. So you don't do it. And I get it. I've totally been there. But if you're able to actually look at it and maybe seek outside guidance through whatever that means for you, um, whatever person can hold safe space for you, whether that's a professional or a friend, when you can really look at what's going on, and feel it for like two minutes even, just feel all of it, it will release much more readily and it will open up space in you to then feel more joyful and more vibrant more of the time. And again, not all of the time, we will ebb and flow. But when we're stuck on this this habit of numbing out and not fully processing that is what feels really miserable and what keeps people very stuck a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and also the addiction to negative thought patterns of i'm not good enough i'm not worthy or uh i'm not lovable Uh, I'm not good at anything. Those kind of habitual thought patterns eventually turn into beliefs and those beliefs become, um, go from the conscious mind into the subconscious mind and then become more identities. Is that really where like mentors, self-love coaches, business coaches, intuitive guides, that's kind of like the essence of our work is reminding people you don't have to feel negative you don't have to feel bad like all the time but it does take some willingness to be able to release that when you do feel it I would say that someone who knows how to show up and well in their capacity whether it's specifically as a self-love coach or a business coach or a spiritual mentor or even a friend you know showing up well in that capacity will often look like holding the vision of someone's highest vibrancy Mm. 
while also fully meeting them where they are today and not saying, I need you to be different and you do, I'm going to just pretend that you're not that way. I'm going to deny that part of you, but really saying, I see you, I see you're in pain or I see you're, you're in joy today. That's awesome. Like, let's meet wherever you are. And also, did you know that you have this available to you, this other thing available to you? So if you're stuck in that pattern of self-loathing or feeling unworthy, well, it's like, oh, did you know that that you don't have to be there? I like it. It's okay that you're there. And there's no judgment that you're there. Mm-hmm. But what if we gently expand your comfort zone and help you to release the the fears and the beliefs that you're holding that make you feel like it's not safe to exist in a different, more empowered way? Would we be able to explore a bit of your layered, multifaceted journey of arriving at this more empowered state as a business coach and psychic, intuitive, spiritual guide, going from the college student with a mystery chronic illness, struggling with spirits, or rather uh, experiencing more more atheist approach and experiencing depression yeah I mean when people hear where (laughs) where I was before atheist biology major chronic illness they're like how how did you get here (laughs) like well it first of all it happened very quickly Mm. (laughs) very rapid spiritual awakening for me but I would say that I've I've always been intuitive. I just haven't always realized it or known what to do with it. Mm-hmm. I do believe that most people have intuitive experiences. So even as a child or a teenager, I would I, I was an empath. I was very sensitive to energy. And sometimes I would dream about people and then talk to them the next day and they'd be like, How did you know that? Um, How did you know I was having a hard time? Or I would tell them my dream and they'd be like, that's a really great way of putting what's going on in my life right now. And I never knew what to do with that. And I kind of just let it go. I was not aware of the intuitive people that were around me. There were some people around me that were intuitive, but I didn't understand it. And I also equated spirituality and a connection with God with oppressive religious organizations that were anti-science, anti-feminist, anti-loving human experience sometimes. Not to say all of them are that way, but I felt very strongly about the hateful ones. Yeah. And so my idea was, well, God is experienced through religion. And some religious organizations are promoting these principles of hate. And so that didn't make sense to me. And God felt inaccessible to me. Also, most people frame God as an experience outside of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much in the process of getting out of the habit of that. Mm. Like when I feel like I'm connecting with source, I naturally bring my attention outward. And I'm like, whoa, no, (laughs) 
I need to bring it back in. Yes. And then after college, I was very ill, just trying desperately to heal myself. I had been sick for so long. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. And I realized I just had this this thought that kept coming up in my head. Explore your sensitivity to energy or whatever. I didn't use the word energy back then, but to me it was like explore your sensitivity. So I started asking questions and I turned to my sibling and I said, I think I'm sensitive like you are. What like and I think you're interested in this stuff. So where do I even start? And my sibling said, "Well, talk to our aunts. They're like really into spiritual witchy stuff." So I talked to my aunts and I went out to Washington State to visit them and they bought me a bunch of books, had really cool experiences <laughs> with the books. Like my aunt handed me this book about animals um, as spiritual messengers and I opened the page up to an owl. It just shocked me because owls, I love owls. And it turns out, you know, my aunt later that day introduced me to an owl guide that I have um, and I had, you know, earlier that year gotten an owl tattoo out of kind of nowhere, mm. you know, just synchronicity after synchronicity. And they showed me more how to meditate and how to connect in with spirit and their mediums and highly intuitive women. So I was able to receive their guidance. And my aunt handed me this book. It was. Many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Brian Weiss. Mm. And I read that book in probably two nights. And he wrote it in a way that was similar to a scientific case study. So since I had been in the realm of science, pre-med, biology, it made sense to me because he was like, it was his journey of not believing in spirituality to believing in spirituality through facilitating experiences with this one particular client of his. Mm. So it was written in a way that made sense to me and was discerning. And it just opened me up to this whole realm of spirituality that was separate from organized religion. And I just thought, okay, I can I can begin to step into this. This makes sense. I began to let go of my visceral reaction toward words like God and blessed and Jesus Christ mm. and angels. And I began to explore the, the, the energy there rather than my visceral reactions based on negative connotations that I was holding there. And I just kept learning and learning and learning. I took my first Reiki class. I took my second Reiki class. I took my third Reiki class, you know, <laughs> just was ravenous for this information. It was like a remembering. And I just wanted to know more and more and more. And it just made a lot of sense to me. And I was able to have experiences of energy because I was trained in Reiki pretty early on in my spiritual awakening. And through my awakening, it accelerated my healing process. It's not the only thing that helped me heal. I mean, I changed my diet. I changed my life. I changed everything, basically. Went to all sorts of holistic practitioners, but my spirituality 
helped me to understand my mind and my beliefs and shift those in a way that was more empowering for me. So that is my attempt at an abridged summary of my journey. Beautiful. Thank you. You mentioned as you were doing this very deep dive into spiritual remembering, you said you were ravenous for it. And it felt like a remembering. Absolutely. I I believe that for most people, it's not our first lifetime being spiritual. It's not our first lifetime being intuitive. There are many understandings out there that suggest that when we are born, we then experience a sort of amnesia. Mm-hmm. Even... You know, maybe not even exactly when we're born, but within a few months or years, we experience a lot of amnesia as we settle into the physical body. Yeah. As we settle into this third dimensional density. And people view that as a bad thing. Um, First of all, it's not bad to be incarnated. Like, I've been really unpacking that self-sacrifice, suffering theme or mindset around incarnation lately like it's it's not a bad thing it's not meant to be a self-sacrificial thing it's meant to be a learning experience you can find meaning in it yes and there are some doctrines that suggest that the reason why you are uh, reincarnated is because you were bad and you're being punished so you're made to live over and over again when that is not truthful right Because why do you think Paramahansa Yogananda came back, for example? Like, you know, (laughs) he was trying to help us. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so some people are able to remember a little bit more quickly than other people. And it's not a race at all. So people are in this habit of comparing themselves, feeling like they are behind from other people. So it's not a race. We all have our own timelines But people that are more connected in more readily, they can spark these changes a little bit more early on in their life. But again, it's not a race like Brian Weiss, the author that I mentioned, he was like in his 50s or 60s when he had his spiritual awakening, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he sparked this whole change after decades of experience being atheist, I think, I can't quite remember, but definitely not experiencing spirituality in the way that he did Mm. (laughs) through his client experiences. So the process of remembering is the process of getting back to yourself, the self that's not feeling limited by the often harsh dynamics of our culture on planet these days. It's It's a process of embodying something that's more expansive and what I recommend not exclusive of the human experience. Mm -hmm. Also on your journey, do you experience these major paradigm shifts of realization of, oh, I don't have to have this mystery chronic illness or I am able to heal myself. I don't have to rely on westernized medical practices. Absolutely. 
I did a lot of um, difficult exploration, and I still do these days when I have recurrences of, of themes in my life where I've had to get really real with myself and say, all right, as much as I dislike my illness, for example, how have I become attached to how it's serving me? Is it offering a feeling of protection to me in any way, shape or form? Or is it offering some type of experience that I feel like I couldn't get otherwise? And when I got really real with myself, the answer was yes. The answer was, yeah, it, it allows me to feel safe in my little comfort zone. I don't have to grow and I don't have to put my power so much in myself. Mm. I can divert that power and divert responsibility outward to other people and say, you know, I can't do this by myself. And that is not ever, ever, ever to deny anyone's experience or to shame them or to guilt them because physical illness, mental illness, those are really real things. There's often a chemical imbalance going on. So it's not like you're making it up. And trust me, I had an invisible chronic mystery illness. Doctors all over the place were like, she's a depressed woman, teenager. She's it's all in her head. No, that wasn't the case. Mm. So it's not to suggest that it's you're a fraud. It's to suggest, well, is there a, a dynamic of fear present that is exacerbating your situation here? And even recently, uh, one thing that I recently released was irregular menstrual cycles, irregular and difficult menstrual cycles, which I had had for years. And part of it was a physical imbalance, which I had to heal and remedy. But the other part, I had to get really real with myself and say, all right, what is this allowing me? Or how is it protecting me? How is it serving me? And when I dove deep into myself, I realized, oh, it allows me to stay in this pattern of feeling like a like I'm in chaos or like I am a victim of my irregular menstrual cycle, which then throws off my business plan, for example. Okay, well, am I willing to actually just step up and take more responsibility in my life? Yes. Okay, but really? No. Okay. Yeah, let's let's see why I don't want to step up in that way. Why do I feel vulnerable? And then you go and you dive into your vulnerabilities and your fears and your insecurities and your self-worth stuff you dive into all of it and it's like, dang, this was all related to my menstrual cycle. Yes. Okay. (laughs) 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 So anyway, when you have a holistic approach of uh, addressing your physicality, your emotions, your mind, your energy, then that's where profound breakthroughs happen. And it can happen. I mean, Like I was healing my menstrual cycle for years. Okay. So there's, it doesn't have to happen overnight. It probably won't because you might not be ready for that and that's okay, but it will happen in layers and it will happen as you're ready for it too. And it will happen after you've gotten really, really frustrated with yourself over and over, probably. (laughs) To tie this all into self-love, which self-love is, um, 
a remembering of the power of one's soul. What has the self-love journey been like for you? If you can give me like a general general sense based on like everything that we talked about and we've touched upon it in pieces. There are so many facets to my self-love journey. It has required a lot of courage from me. That's the bottom line. You know, when I think back to starting my business and going through my spiritual awakening and my my self-love journey and my physical healing journey, it's like if I had known all the frustrations, I might not have gotten started. But then again, if I had known what would be unlocked in me, maybe I would have gotten started anyway. Mm. You know, the the journey, whether it's specifically self-love or extends to other arenas of your life, it's such a full spectrum experience. And there were there were many times when I was just in the thick of it, just having a tough time. And then I would release a lot and come back up for air and feel great. And then, you know, cycle back down and see what's there. And that's just the natural flow of things is to ebb and flow. Much like the ocean or the breath or the moon. That's just how it is. Very dynamic. Yes. And you mentioned that it's allowing and accepting where you are in each present moment of, you know, I don't feel great right now, or this is coming up for me, and that is okay, and I release this. Totally. We have so much self-judgment toward ourselves that we've been, we've had ingrained in us from school, for example, where we're asked to show up only in perfection and to be little machines doing our homework from our industrialized era way of schooling um, that really facilitates a lack of self-acceptance. So to love yourself exactly as you are is a radical, rebellious, courageous act. And what's cool is when you do that, you are so magnetic and you can inspire so many people to do the same. So for coaches and mentors, it's not, I can change you. It's more of, I see your power in your miraculousness, in all of your beauty. And I would like you to be able to experience what I'm seeing as well. Yeah, and the only thing I would add to that is, you know, your pain too. I see your pain. Um, I see the whole of you and I see your potential that you can step into. Won't you join me here? <laughs> but also I'll meet you where you are. Let's let's meet in the middle maybe. <laughs> I can tell you this, like my soul is literally made to help people through deep transformation and through a space of unconditional love and to really help them be held there through their journey. The way that I'm doing that now is through entrepreneurs on their journey. And it brings me such joy and fulfillment to be giving to people and 
humanity and the world and the galaxy this way. It's so exciting. I really, really do love what I do. And I wish for everyone to truly love what they do and to love their life. And, you know, based on people's own discernment, where they are, what they choose for themselves on their path, they may decide to invest in a spiritual guide, a mentor, a coach. What are some ways that you've experienced benefits, results from having your aunts be your mentors? It's really wonderful to be able to check in with people on your journey. I don't talk with my aunts all the time, but every once in a while we'll chat and we'll just see where we are. I'm really thankful to have a family that has some spiritual understanding. Not all of my family does, but I'm really thankful that I had those people around me. And when I started opening up and awakening to it, I was able to see how so many spiritual people had been around me this whole time. I just hadn't seen it. Mm. So it really is about a perspective shift during your spiritual awakening to see the support that's always been around you. And this goes for your self-love journey as well. When you think about it biologically, physically, I'll tell you a little bit about the biology. So your brain is meant to act as a filtration system for information because to give you all of the pieces of information that it's intaking all the time would be overwhelming. So you focus on just the select few bits of information that is in your focus that you've designated as being important. So you filter your world. Mm. And you also do that through your mindset, which works alongside your brain. <laughs> mm -hmm. When you start to change your perspective, the way that you see the world will actually change because your filter mm -hmm. will have changed. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the second half of the conversation with Molly Jamison. Her free grounding meditation, website, and Instagram are provided in the description of this episode. Thank you, Marley, for your compassionate service to the human collective and your impact on our evolving ascension process. You are loved so profoundly. Thank you for being here at this time to assist in the evolution of humanity. Thank you for being a leader of the self-love movement. Remember who you really are. Love always and I'll meet you at the next one.